Welcome, friends, to the One Sealed Letter podcast, where we explore the legacy of letter writing and bring this beautiful art form into the 21st century. I'm your host, Kay Collier, the voice and warm body behind this podcast, and Catherine Hastings and Company, our sponsor. This is the first episode of season two. I have been eagerly awaiting to get back to the podcast. I'm in my now second trimester, but through the whole first trimester, I was really sick, and so I was going to have a little bit of a break with the podcast anyway, but it ended up being a little longer than expected. I'm just so thrilled to be back with you and to have the podcast run more regularly. We have some amazing guests coming up this season. Today is no exception. Our guest today, Laura LaRosa, is a dear friend of mine. We met years ago when I was living in upstate New York. We both were in a women's writing group, and over the years we've stayed in touch. She's a hard person to put a label on. She describes herself as a seer or a neo-shaman. She'll tell you a little bit more about the work that she does, but basically she's a person who helps understand relationships or things that you might be going through in your life and puts a more kind of bigger picture or spiritual understanding in into the challenges that you might be working with. As you can tell, I'm kind of fumbling with my words on it because it's a hard thing to describe, but you might get a sense of her gifts and the way that she works through the podcast. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Laura LaRosa. Laura, thank you so much for being here. I'm just thrilled that we get to speak with you today. So I thought it would help um, people hear your voice and get to know you for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Hi, Kay. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's really nice to be invited. I'm so excited about this and a little nervous because you said people hear me and it's like, uh oh, I have this crazy accent. I never knew I had an accent. People always said, you have an accent. I think, what? I'm from America. What? What? Um, But it's clearly, you know, uh, New York. So uh, no, I am not the Long Island medium, but, um, but I have some of that stuff. So my background, it's, it's, you know, I've been around the block and then some in my life, I've been to some really key pieces of, of um, history. Um, So just one was, yes, I was at Woodstock, and yes, I'm actually in the movie, and no, I am not naked. Um, (laughs) I was introduced to actually a lot of the stuff that I use in my life now at Woodstock. Um, People people were talking even then to me about spiritual processing and how you live that and what it's about, introduced to all kinds of divination tools and out of body experiences I mean it was way out and it's it totally fit my personality and where I was on the planet at that time so that's it for background for what I do it's so hard to put a name to this I mean some people call it neo-shamanism some people call it um, channeling mediumship it's you know it's kind of a big ball of wax what I usually say is that um I am one of those people who are minister and can can give pastoral care to the folks who say, I'm not religious, but spiritual. Does does that kind of make sense? (laughs) Yeah, well, it definitely makes sense to me. Um, But I, you know, I've known you for years. And so I I agree. I like, I never know how to describe you when I talk about you. I'm like, oh, my friend, Laura, who's clairvoyant, but she doesn't 
call yourself that. Or my friend Laura said this is going to happen. And it's just, um, yeah. And it's one because also I don't know how to label it. I off my, that's my Laura. Like I hold her so close to my heart and, you know, don't always want to put a label out there because I feel like people have all these ideas about it. Uh, also in introducing this podcast um, to all the listeners, I put out questions about astral letters. What do you want to know? What are you working on? And um, one of the listeners, um, Denise, wrote in, she had a ton of questions that I thought would just be good to kind of throw out there for us to kind of dive yes. into the topic. So um, yeah. I'll just read the full list and then we can, we don't have to go question by question, but just kind of address the overall thing. Um, so how do I get started? What format does the letter need to be in? Who do I send it to? Will more than one person read any letter? How does this work? So uh, yeah, thanks, Denise, for submitting those questions. Oh, it's so interesting because any of that can, it's so flexible. It depends on what fits the person. So mainly what I've done with folks who want to use this for manifestation, there's a couple of ways. The first thing they do is they write a letter to themselves, envisioning and feeling and really putting it into their words on this paper about how they're living their best life and all the things that they want to manifest and include. And, um, and they send that to themselves or they label it or whatever they do, they put it somewhere where it's going to be quiet and safe and they don't open it for six months, a month, a year, depending on, on what they're really trying to put out there. The other thing is I have had folks in a group who will then take responsibility for other, we write together, um, and they'll take responsibility for the uh, one another's letters that they do not read that are sealed and self-addressed and stamped, but they decide on a time that this will be simultaneously by all six, 10, 12, usually women um, will decide to, okay, on this day, we're going to mail it to each other. And usually everyone forgets, even though they're mailing it to someone else. And then they're surprised when they receive their letter. But I have to tell you, in that circumstance, it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to do for yourself, and I've done it forever. But um, doing it in a group like that was remarkable. It was really remarkable. The, the feeling that came across and the way that I saw, wow, the things that I wrote down really came through. Mm -hmm. So I think there was something about writing together with this energy, creating this circle of people writing and belief and manifestation all together. It was, it was really powerful. I, I hope that answered it. I tend to go off on tangents. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just feel like the tangents are things that we'll learn and that are things that okay. just need to be said. Um, well, so that's kind of a question that I've had with my, when I'm thinking forward to the end of this year, there's so much change. I'm you know, having a baby in August, I'm growing this business, I'm, you know, I'm working, there's so many things, I have a family member who's sick, and so I'm trying to put all these things together, but often those big dreams are things I don't want to let anyone know, because mm -hmm. I'm afraid they'll think mm -hmm. it's too big, or mm -hmm. why would you mm -hmm. do that, that doesn't make sense, um, but I, I guess in this sense, you're writing with a group that kind of has that common purpose, they're not going to, but you're not telling them, yeah. Yeah. But you're not telling, no one's sharing what they're writing. Mm -hmm. We're just sharing the energy. We're not sharing any words that are going on the paper, just the energy, the impetus of, okay, we want to join together and pool our energy in, in faith and hope and kindness for each of us to receive this, but no one shares their dream. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's still protected. It's written. You could write it to yourself, but you, it sounded like you're mentioning it more as you're just writing it as though you're sharing what your experience is in December, having all these things happen. Is that more along the lines? No, because for manifestation, we're already putting ourselves as this is already happening. So for instance, if I was wanting to manifest a new place to live, um, instead of saying, I want a new place and imagining what it could look like, I see myself there in the new place and then saying, I appreciate the Southern exposure. I appreciate my plants, appreciate that kind of thing so that I'm really in that moment Mm -hmm. and descriptive. And descriptive. And it sounds like on the descriptive side, it's really taking time to feel it. So not just, yes. this is my wish list from the universe. It's, this is, it keeps that it's already happened, but you're really feeling it and you're, you're imagining all these tiny details, even the way the sunlight shines so that you're living Absolutely. in it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The more specific, the better. Okay. Because it also will bring the person in, in the involvement and the power of writing onto that piece of paper. It works. It mm-hmm. really works. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm excited to try it because I've done manifestation work. And, and for those of you listening, Laura and I did a meditation series a couple years ago that she ran that introduced me to creating all of Catherine Hastings com- and company. And it was really just focusing on that energy of, you know, this beautiful gold and light and beauty, but connection with others and kind of this long history and so I, that type of manifestation, I've really felt it, but I haven't done it with a letter yet. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to try it. Um, one of our listeners, Kat Webb, asked if your letter should focus on changes that you want to make or more of a request for something just good in the world. And so I know that some of the examples we've given are kind of the first piece, but if you're just wanting more peace on earth, I don't know, any tips on like making that yeah, more specific well- Back in my day, it was, um, you know, visualized peace, right? So it's the same thing. It's like, if you want more peace, then talk about, oh, it's, it's so nice to be able to be outside now and feel safe and feel that other people feel safe. And I'm just drinking this in. Again, that kind of really in the moment for that. So, yeah, we can manifest, definitely can manifest peace. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was taught. And I still believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it with everything in me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I'm also just, as you're, as you're painting that scene, I'm, I'm actually seeing people, you know, post pandemic outside and sunshine and yes. not yes. having a fear of being near an unmasked stranger and, you know, all these different levels of fear that we're carrying in our bodies. Yeah. Being able to kind of let that go now, not, obviously change your behavior necessarily just yet, but, um, the, the feeling of, of peace and security, bringing that into, into mind. Exactly. Exactly. What we feel and the more we allow ourselves to feel that generosity of spirit and kindness, compassion, love while we're writing, it brings it up. It brings it out. It sets it free. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I know the, the answer to this, but just because we'll have people listening who have different levels of experience with manifesting. Um, so I know sometimes when there's something you want to change, there's often an aversion where, as an example with peace, you see a conflict and you want maybe to change those people or 
um, like I think even like a sickness, like to fight the sickness in some way makes it worse. Like you're trying to go for health rather than anti-sickness. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Could you, um, I don't know, just give us some tips on like how to, to keep our energy in a good spot with it. Um, like how do you get into that place that's centered and you know that you're really manifesting the things that are best um, and that you might not kind of unwit- unwittingly bring in something else in your, in your hope for, for doing something good. I think that's the key word is unwitting. And this is where it gets, it becomes uh, a little deeper where we have to know who we are going in. And mm-hmm. so the feelings that may come up of conflict or I don't want this illness, which who wants illness, but the, the, the thing about feeling, well, who am I in this? Why do I believe that this illness is here? And do I really believe that the power of manifestation comes through me from source, from the universe, and that I'm part of a bigger plan? I think that, that any tip, the first one would be, you know, check, check your spiritual condition. You know, how are you? Do you doubt this? If you doubt it, it, it can't work for you. And hope is is good, but it's also kind of like, I hope it works. We're really stepping over that precipice of, I'm going to just believe this works. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wholeheartedly take this leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And of course, even in that, there's a shred of like, well, but I think that's where we start. Because mm-hmm. when we get results and we see that, oh, wow, I've got more than I asked for, then it becomes easier. So it's almost like this weird conundrum and you know how I feel about the number eight so it's kind of like it comes around and goes down and comes back around mm-hmm. um it's, it's kind of this infinity of how am I doing spiritually and mm-hmm. and how much more can I get in my life to feel beauty and happiness and for others and it really starts with us it always starts with us mm-hmm. yeah I love the idea of it being cyclical I just find I have such a habit of <clears throat> excuse me telling my story in this linear progression and then <laughs> when yeah. things start to tank, it's like, Oh no, the line is going down, <laughs> but actually I know, I know. It's, it's just the, the waves of life. Um, well, so we have a couple of recordings also from people who've sent questions. Um, and Megan's question actually ties into that because she was asking about inner voice and like how to trust ourselves and stuff. So I'm just going to play that. Oh, okay. Hi, this is Megan. My question is, if you're writing the letter and your inner voice starts to question whether you'll be able to accomplish that or you start to limit yourself and what you think is possible, how big should we go in our letter? As big as your imagination can take you. There should be no limits. Now, naturally, in the world we live in, we understand there are limits as according to the outside world. But in our heart, in our imagination, in our desire, no limits need to be applied. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, people, some people build castles in the air and crazy people try to move into them. It's like, you know, that's, that's not crazy to be, to wholeheartedly come to life and say this, this is what I'd love to experience. I think that makes the best, you know, it's the best ground for beginning a manifestation always. Big is good. 
And if you have doubts, allow yourself to say, okay, I'm, this may be, a, let me start tiny if I feel too scared. Because sometimes, you know, it's very scary to act, to actually ask for what you want, to say, this is what I want. You know, as you started when we were talking earlier, Kay, is that you don't want people to like put a pin in the balloon or say you're crazy or, or look at you like, oh, grow up. Because that's not where we are. We're taking it outside that frame, outside that frame completely of the everyday world into the magical world that lives within each of us. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps. It's beautiful. Oh, you can't see nodding in a podcast, but a lot of nodding happening here. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling this is an episode that people are going to replay a lot and just kind of oh. come back to it. Um, we, yeah, and it's one of those things where I think we all have things that we see in our own beliefs that we kind of dream big, but then our stomachs kind of um, oh, yeah. tighten. Oh, yeah. Like, I had I that. Totally get that. I mean, and it's an ongoing process. So, you know, at one point, my dreams, I was, they were little bitty and, you know, and then they got bigger and I felt like, who the hell do you think you are? Oh, am I allowed to say that? Sorry. Who the hell do you think you are? And, um, you know, and so it's a constant struggle, but that to me indicates growth of desire and the, and, and you're, you know, you're so allowed. We are so allowed. That's what we came here for to manifest, to expand the universe. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so one of the things um, that we got a few questions about is about like different types of relationships and how to work with them. And um, one of our listeners, Claire, submitted a question that I thought is one that most people would probably have some type of relation to this question. So she said, my question is about applying, the, applying this method towards myself, addressing it, but not applying it towards myself, but addressing it to another person. I have a relative who I tried many times to forgive in my life, but it is incredibly difficult no matter how much I try, especially because I know there will never be a real apology from them. Could you talk mm. a bit about letter writing to manifest acceptance, forgiveness for yourself, not for yourself, but towards another individual? I, I you know, I, that's an old process. Many people I know have used this, the letter to oneself to forgive oneself for not always feeling forgiving, for not always being open or feeling the amount of compassion they think they should. You know, when it comes to relationships that are problematic, it, it, in my experience, my direct experience, uh, writing a letter or communication to the person who I'm never gonna and never did get an apology from, is, is sets me on the track of well, what are you really looking for? You want an apology? Because the apologies I have gotten didn't change things, but the changes are within. And that's why writing the letter to yourself of, I give, I give myself full, you know, I, I give myself all the need, all the latitude I need to be who I am in this relationship until I'm ready to let it go. And it may take 20 years. It may take 20 minutes. But give yourself all the room. And yes, I would write letters to myself about how I feel about this completely. I mean, that's where journaling was good. But letter writing is different because now you're addressing you in a way that the journal becomes, for me, it was often a complaint, a list of I don't like, you know, that kind of thing. But the way that we write that kind of approach to compassion in a letter is more like a personal prayer to yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes 
total sense to me. Uh, I just okay. I imagine this yeah teenage book of grievances <laughs> that I had and how <laughs> it, I eventually in my um, I think it was my late twenties or early thirties I was home at my parents' house and I found in the back of one of my drawers all of these really angsty teenage journals which in hindsight I maybe should have saved for my own children because they're so funny but. I just thought, I don't want to carry all of this complaining. Mm. Um, I think that's, you know, part of it is the way that you're addressing it, that you're mentioning there's more compassion. I also was thinking about, it's about movement. A letter is about, is about just archiving your feelings and like saving it for 20 years from now. So you can know how frustrated you were on some random Tuesday. It's about working with that energy and having an intention of sending it out there. Um, Totally right on. Yep. I love that. We had a lot of questions, excuse me, about career path and how a lot of these questions dealt with how you find clarity in your career. So um, Janet had asked about that. It's like, I don't really know the right question to ask because I have uh, uncertainty about which, you know, what, what a clear path looks for me. Um, then there was another question from Mikey that was similar. She said, I want to manifest my business, but I'm conflicted on what to focus on. Should I focus on growing my blog followers first before launching my store from the blog or website, or should I just manifest the store? And so kind of getting caught up in the details of what am I supposed to be envisioning, um, particularly when it's something that's career focused. I totally get this. And I'm sure some of this resonates for you. This is this is one of the things I, I'm really good at and I really do. And unfortunately, it's not all about writing anything, but it certainly is um, connecting with someone who can pick up, okay, this is this is lighting up. I'm not seeing this over here. And then directing an energy into a manifestation letter, so to speak. But I think trying to go that alone without a mentor, without some kind of coach or assistance can be so annoying because <laughs> you'll know, get a hit and think that must be right. But then the human doubt comes in and says, but maybe not. And I don't know And one can drive oneself crazy. So in my experience, that's, I mean, that's what I do. This is what I do. I help people come to that. So, it, you know, what, however that would work for either of these people who just had these questions, if you really, have to find someone that you really trust to take a look at things with you and who can give you an intuitive cap. Yeah, maybe in this direction because sometimes business people, I know people, and I'm not a business person, so I know people in business really know how to get the energy moving and get the traffic going where you're going. But career stuff, again, this is about why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why did I get here? And where am I supposed to be going with this? And that business people really can't help you with like somebody like I can help uh, uh, people in my energy field. So if they're tarot readers or if they're, you know, channelers or whatever gift they have, that's often a necessary piece, at least at the very beginning of searching for something like this. Yeah. Having been on the other side of, so having been through what they're talking about and gone through these conversations with you a person that I just deeply trust. And I have had small questions of, should I reach out to this person for the podcast or this person or this, you know, just little things where I kind of second guess myself. I find that you help me read what I'm intuiting about something and kind of be uh-huh. dealt with whatever energy that is, but then also the bigger stuff, because especially with career stuff for me, 
it's been years of everything's fine at work, but I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. And it's just like this weird <laughs> fear. And if you were to go to a business coach, they would say, well, you're clearly not, you're such a high performer and you're doing great. But then what, why, why am I having that fear? There's something. Well, yeah. Is yeah. Because that's talking on a different level. And, and, you know, a therapist can give you a good answer to that. But again, that's talking on that level. What I can, what I can tell people and what you and I have shared is that there's this whole other world that we forget about that, you know, we came here in the, from the non-physical to the physical and all the adjustments and why am I here? What's my trajectory is part of that spiritual path. We, we need, I believe we need to engage the spiritual with the quote unquote mundane. We do. Mm-hmm. That's why a business person can be great for the concrete stuff, but you need, you know, somebody who can really talk on another level to get that doubt to show what it's really about. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, again, self-lettering can really help. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of building on that, you mentioned finding someone you trust. Um, so if anyone's interested in connecting with Laura anyway, she does sessions and you can find her contact information. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but just how do we know that we're talking to the right person or how do we even manifest that person if we don't know that like you know everyone in my family has an MBA so how would I find that person that (laughs) has the other version of MBA that's in this other world like um and I know a lot of our listeners come from different faiths too so we have we have Christians and um Muslim Mm -hmm. um just yeah all different religions of of listeners um so I don't know just any advice on that of like wherever you are whatever your faith how do you find the right people that's a really good question um one way is to, you know, talk with people of like mind and see if they've ever had that experience and gone to somebody that would give them that kind of advice or support. Um, Because initially, what we're talking about is building that inner knowledge, that inner trust. You know, here's an example. One time, a long time ago, I was on a subway in Manhattan and Something told me to get off. Now, I lived I lived in East Village, and something told me to get off before that, like before, you know, like at 14th Street. And, and I thought, no, it's cold. I don't want to have to walk, blah, blah, blah. And, but it was really loud, but I didn't get off. And then the doors closed, and the intercom, you know, the voice said, this train is now going express, and your next stop is Brooklyn. And you can imagine how annoyed I was because it was like I didn't listen to that little voice. We all have that little voice. And with practice, a little at a time, we build our intuition, that intuitive voice. And so then you ask somebody, you know, you hit on somebody, I I like this person, something, but you, you talk to them and you'll know because your intuitive stuff will tell you and you'll feel the connection. It's, it's a difficult process and not a difficult process. Learning to trust oneself in a society that says, you need experts in everything. It's, it's difficult because you are your own expert. You are. But to get the support, for, mostly I tell people, you have the answer. You do. You just don't believe it. And it's, it's that kind of encouragement and support that a lot of us need. So I, I, I would say the first thing, if you really want to talk to somebody that does that kind of work, someone like me, ask, ask around. 
And if you trust the person you asked and their response, that's the beginning. I get all of my clients from uh, recommendations. I, I tried advertising. It doesn't work. It's like the universe said, no, <laughs> don't do it. Because people can call me intuitively because my friend so-and-so said she trusts you and I'm going to try to trust you. And their experience tells them if it was right to trust me or not. And they're building intuitive experience. Mm-hmm. I hope that helps. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and just even what you're saying about listening to the inner voice. And I had that, I don't know if you remember that earlier this fall, I took on a project that my inner voice said, don't do it. And (laughs) it ended up being just annoying and more than anything, but I was crying to Rob, my husband and um, about it. He goes, I don't get it. Like you're not taking any type of real loss. It's really only lost like two days of your own time. And I said, but I didn't listen to my voice. <laughs> and that's it, huge. It, yes. It that's was so huge. heartbreaking to me that I just, I'd heard yep. it and I was just like, nope, not listening this time. <laughs> but good. Thank goodness. It was a small thing. And exactly. that builds up that repertoire. Now you have, you had the experience, you know, that, you know, you need to listen to that voice. I had a, a, a teacher once tell me, that we ignore that voice at our own peril. I mean, she was real serious. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say peril, but dag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least in my own life, when I look at things that I've gone through, like even just an eating disorder, so much of that is just masking what I'm feeling. And um, yeah. I, I don't have problems with that anymore, but I see where I was trying to make the outside be a certain Mm. way when the inside was just so, um, angsty. Mm. Um, well, so building on that, um, we actually had two Angela submit questions. So, um, one of them is a written question that I thought tied in a little bit here to what we're talking with and kind of trusting. Um, she said, my question is how we will know the manifestation is on track. Often things look differently than we are expecting. Are there tools we can use to stay open to receiving messages and identifying signs that are out of our comfort zone, our desired path doesn't always match our expectation. That's a really, really good question. And here's, here's the thing. Um, it's, it requires a lot of patience. The, one of the things that anyone in, in this arena of manifestation will tell you is, you know, um, think about it while you're, while you're writing this and believe it and feel it while you're writing it seal it, let it go and never think about it. Put it on the back burner, way on the back burner and just involve you because it's like planting seeds. You don't keep digging them up to see if they're sprouting. You gotta give it time. And it's hard because we want to know that I'm on track and just knowing that you've done that piece of work makes it clear to me that the person is on track because they desire it. And if you desire it and you can leave it alone and let it grow and feel excited, feel expectation of, wow, I'm on my way. That's, that's better fodder than anything. That's, that's really going to, you know, make things move. Mm-hmm. So rather than questioning, is it happening the way, just to take the metaphor, the way that you, you water it is just to build the, the excitement around it and know that it's coming or, or, um, kind of stay in the energy of it. Even if you've, let's say written the letter and sealed it, 
you're still bringing that energy into the rest of the year. Yeah, all of the all of the people who are working in the field of manifestation, and that's not my primary area, which I couldn't really say what it is, honestly, it's working with people, but they all say the same thing. Um, feel it as though it's already happened. I mean, that's Mike Dooley. He's a huge person about that. It's already happened. It's already here. Feel it. You don't have to see it. Feeling it makes everything move. Yeah. That's what they believe. And I got to say, that's what's worked in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because there's things that I've just trusted already, like my children. You, you've seen them too for a long time. Um, which I know it sounds a little bit out there. So many family members are listening. They're probably a little shocked by that. But um, <laughs> I knew years ago I was having a son, William, and I knew my, you know, my daughter was coming and all of that. And um you know, things can change. And then I often feel like if it's different, then it's something even better usually. But um, for me, that's been something I've always just kind of known and I've seen it, but the skill then has been learning for these other things that I want to start bringing in. How can I kind of make my faith work like that? Uh, when we talked some about if you have a, a group of people or kind of like a, a group of women that you could do this with where you each write your letter and then you, you switch the letters and then return them that's a good way to store it. But if you're storing it on your own, um, this question is from Emma, what's the best place to store a letter after you've written them? Um, imagine you don't want to like put it in your basement next to your cat food, probably. Um, <laughs> any advice? Yes, that's a great question and so smart because yeah, you want to have it in a special place, in a place where it's going to feel that it's, you feel that it's safe, not going to be tampered with, won't fall into the garbage. Yes, you don't want to buy the cat food. No, it's, you want to make it feel special. And yet in a place where I have what I call an altar, I mean, they're different for everybody, but you know, it's just, it's just one shelf where I have statuary and photographs and shells and rocks. And that's a very special place for me. And I would put it somewhere like that so that I would see it but not necessarily be the focal point of my, you know, living quarters, but it was something that would catch my eye. I know it's there. It's in a place where it's surrounded by things I find beautiful and helpful. And for whatever time it's going to be there, that's where I would keep it. Now I live alone. So if there's a concern about, but I don't want other people to see it or whatever, then I think to make a place um, that can be your own and even putting it in a drawer if that's absolutely necessary although I, I really can't say I totally recommend that um, but make a place that's completely for you that it won't be knocked about or you know other people saying what's that you know, you know what I mean so it should be it should be beautiful and private beautiful well, and we talked some about this letter, writing it now, opening it at the end of the year, but I imagine you don't have to have a, such a set timeline on it. Um, could you just speak some to kind of how we might think about when we write the letter and when we open it? Yeah, again, another really good question. Um, I don't believe lie, that time is not linear. And most of us understand that there's a whole other way of looking at time. Um, it depends on what the manifestation is about. If there's a time frame in the next six months, I need this in the next week. Um, so that has that definitely has something to do with it. I think that for me, 
I I like to um I like to put it in the this is already happening so there's no time frame and I will know when to open it. I've done these things where it's like I'm going to open it this day that day and I've something said no leave it there. Leave it alone. Don't be It's the whole point is try not to be rigid about anything. Try to be full of wonder. You know, as adults we lose that state of wonder. I think that's why people love kids and puppies and kittens so much. You know, it's that wonder, that state of, oh, my goodness, anything is possible. Um, so I would say, you know, if, if you need to have a certain space of time, then you know when to begin and end. If you're not sure, try to trust that you'll feel it because that's the whole point of doing this is being in the feelings of it, in the intuitive process. You can't do it wrong. You cannot do this wrong. You will not be wrong. I love that. It's just a good reminder because it's, for, at least for me, again, with that kind of linear thinking, there's this feeling of, okay, well, if I'm opening it by this date, then I could have awe and be just super surprised by what's happened or what's changed. <laughs> um, and I could also have on the other side kind of the overthinking of well when do I open I'll open I'll know when to open it I'll go what if I open it when I'm 80 you know it's just like just kind of taking it to the extreme um but I think it goes into just trusting it you know putting the energy out there and then just trusting it's happening um or that that's it's happening. the most important thing the writing has power writing has power um it, it puts a piece of you in there that is indelible so if one goes into this remembering that I have this power that I connect with and I really can connect with it in writing, it's private, it's personal, and it's my heartbeat coming through my writing implement. I mean, it's a big deal that that's all, all good. And after that, when you open it, it's not as important as that you're really present to when you're writing it and open-hearted to it, wholehearted, big. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, well, and that's for any letter, right? You want to be yes. just present, yes, you want absolutely. to be working the energy. Well, that's like that letter I told you, that, that friend of mine told me, you could do psychometry. This was like 30 years ago, and I was like, get out of here. <laughs> so he handed me this a page of this letter that he had received from a friend, and he was Israeli, so it's written in Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew, um, but he gave me a page. And he said, just feel it and tell me what you got. Now, it wasn't the whole letter. There was no no images, no signature, just Hebrew letters, which I afterward understood that I was holding completely upside down. I was able, just by passing my hand along it and holding it, to not only tell him about the person who wrote it, but what was in the message. It was staggering to me. But because I'd been in this environment of belief so long that it was, you're always surprised. I'm always surprised. Like, wow. But I understood that there was energy in our writing. That it's the part of us comes through the writing implement without a doubt. It's mm -hmm. powerful stuff. Yeah. Well, it is funny when you mentioned that you're surprised because I found that every time you've called something and then I text you and say, Hey, by the way, this happened. You go, wow, that's crazy. I um, <laughs> there, there was one, it was about five years ago. Um, and Rob and I were doing different things throughout the day. So I wasn't in contact with him. And you said to me, Hey, just so you know, there's going to be an accident, but everyone's going to be fine. And 
I don't know, it was like five hours later, my phone rings, Rob's car got hit by another, he was in an Uber and it got hit by another car, went over the, um, this concrete little wall, it just it looked horrible and everybody was fine. And I was like, in that moment when he's like, we're fine, everyone's fine. I just really had to trust it because I was looking at what had happened and I just thought, oh, I don't know. But you, I wrote you and you're like, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> Um, right. Well, you know, there's two things of that, because a lot of the time I'll get this kind of a message and I won't remember it afterwards. It, it just disappears. And so when, you know, like when you reminded me, it was like, right. Oh, wow. <laughs> pretty funny how that works. Yeah. And pretty much all the things have been good things, but that's one that's just stuck with me because we live in a city and we're rarely in cars. Like we're not, you know, we walk a lot of places or ride our bikes. And so it's kind of a shock. Uh, okay, well, so we have another message. I actually thought this was good for just it being February and Valentine's Day coming up. A lot of people are thinking about mm. romance and partners and things like that. So I'm going to play a message from the other Angela who submitted a question. What is the best way to write a letter like this when the goal is something that is mainly out of our control? Uh, like love or improving strained relationships? You know, that that's this is the riskiest letter to write for most everyone because it really is opening your heart to, to the possibility of being hurt or being denied what we think we desire. Many, many years ago, um, a friend of mine wrote one of these letters to herself about a great love and she did get it she did get it and it and and it lasted for a while but there were some things that she left out of her heart when she was writing it and um and so it didn't blow it didn't bloom completely the way she wanted but i think because she was afraid to be take a risk even if into herself even when we know no one's going to write this Oftentimes, we'll feel someone's watching, someone knows what I'm asking. Um, and, and with love, it's always about taking a big risk. And sometimes it's about expecting the unexpected. Like, it's okay if this all comes by surprise. I just want a big love and I don't have any requirements. I mean, it really, it really depends on taking the risk to love because to love is to be able to be hurt too. That's, those are the difficult ones. Can I dare for this, even though it may not work out well or the way I want or for as long as I want? And that's, you know, the question everyone needs to ask in embarking on a love relationship. How much do I want to love? How much do I dare to risk? You know, the old saying, no risk, no reward. Yeah, it's it. It's, it's interesting because when, when you think about Valentine's Day, we're not looking at the other side. We're not looking at the fear that you have when you love deeply of something might happen to my child or what if my partner gets sick or what if we fall out of love or we what if we just grow mm -hmm. apart. Um, and then also on the other side, when you're in that position where you're really vulnerable, like I think Brené Brown talks about this and being courageous and you know be, being mm. willing say I love you before the other person does um yeah and how how hard that is <laughs> um <laughs> so are there ways though if maybe you're you want this big love 
but you're not quite there yet um, into being willing to put your heart totally open. Uh, are there ways we can maybe write letters to kind of be on that path a little bit or exercise? Absolutely, absolutely. Again, it's kind of, you know, the, the bottom line, it begins with the writer. The author of the letter is responsible only to him, herself. And so the responsibility is I, I can go as, as slow or as fast as I want, as big or as small as I want. Um, I don't have to answer to anybody. I just have to answer to myself. And so a person who wants to write a letter of manifestation to manifest the beginnings of love, the stirrings of love, I would include. And this is the perfect time to begin that because we're moving on to the coming equinox in March and then spring coming. And so, you know, images of that and thoughts of that is that it's, you know, spring comes slowly. I tend to be dramatic. So I go off the deep end immediately, but for most normal people, they would write, they would write smaller. They would make it like safer. I want to have love. I want to open to love. Or if there's an intended person, it's like, I like this person and something about this person is calling to me. So I'm going to write as if we've become very good friends or there is a beginning relationship here. Nothing has to be done as, as large as I was describing so much as what is good for each and individual author. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And as you're talking, just these different moments in my life are flashing through my, my, um, my eye, I guess, and kind of just remembering different points that I've been at with it. Uh, and it's almost like the things that in some parts of your life have been so painful, or I just think about, you know, putting myself in, out there in high school and getting totally rejected um, multiple oh. times. Um, but then it's like, wow, I'm so glad I have that ability because then when I put myself out there and it's the right people that I blossom. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. The other thing I'm kind of wondering about is just life as a classroom, right? And so a lot of the control that we're putting into these letters, we're putting the vision out there, but where is there space for, if you want to call it grace, but the thing that might be better than what we want? Um, is there a way to write so that we can bring into our life the right lessons that we'll need this year as we write this letter? I have a friend who, um always wrote at the end of her long, you know, list of her sentences of, and this is before we even knew to move into it with the kind of thing I'm describing. She was making more lists. I want, I want it to be this and I want it to be that. And at the very end, she would write or better. <laughs> and I think if we have that idea while we're writing this, you know, this manifestation, I want I, I'm feeling that I've just gotten this great office and now I have, you know, assistants who help me and it just feels so good. And I know it's going to be bigger. I know it's going to be better. That can be added so that we have anticipation because arrival is great. But I think for anyone who's gotten what they've dreamt for um, in a little while, it's like, is that all there is? <laughs> okay, that was great. But now I also want this. What about that? So I think to remind ourselves that it, when, when we live in believing we can have the things we desire, that we deserve them and that we can open our hearts to them, that there will always be more. 
there will always be more and the universe usually will surprise us with optimism and grace. Yes, expect it. You know, we all as human beings tend to receive exactly what we expect. We, you know, if I expect to be late, chances are the bus is going to be late. Nine times out of 10, you know, I get what I expect. But if I try to meet the, the world half glass, half full, then the chances are much better. I'm a big belief in optimism. I happen to be lucky. I was born under an optimistic star, I guess. But it can be cultivated. Optimism can be cultivated. I hope that helps. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think, you know, optimism is sometimes seen in our time. Like, we should be more cynical is kind of what society teaches <laughs> us. I um, remember reading Candide when I was in high school and going in and saying, I just agree. He, he's... Um, it was an, a satirical book during the enlightenment where basically he was saying that everything was for the best of all, all things that had happened. Right. And I went into right. saying, Oh, I totally agree with him and not realizing it was a satire. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, or even just if you feel so grateful in our time, there's a, a sense of, well, you should remember, you know, all the people that are suffering or, um, mm. be, you know, and that's an important thing is to to help lift others up. But I've had that even just with friends when I've expressed gratitude about something, immediately being reminded of why I should be grateful when I'm when I'm being grateful too. So I, I think that sense of optimism um, and and gratitude is something that we at least for me I kind of have to fight for it a little bit myself. Um, it, yeah. Well, it comes easy for me, but I often feel like it's not what I should be saying. Um, because if you look out at the world, there's so many examples of why you shouldn't feel this way. Um, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of a tangent, but. No, I totally hear you. And the thing is that I can testify to the fact that I'm 68 years old, I've been around. And the first half of my life was so cynical and I was unhappy and I got sick a lot. And there were some good things that happened, no doubt, but I was very angry. Because cynicism made me distrust everything. Um, and now, as I said, let's backtrack. I came into this belief system, you know, in, in 1968, 69, I was like, yes, 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 everything. But the believing in what I thought was, I saw was truth. And growing up in New York City, and you have to be cynical in New York, you'll get run, mowed, up, mowed down. And, you know, some of that's true, but I felt... I've seen it in my own life. I've seen how much um, cynicism took away from my experiencing joy. And I, I just, I don't think it got me anything that I wanted. It kept me from an awful lot because it, it's, we're, we're based in a fear culture. Oh, if you do that, this will happen. And maybe that's all not true. And I, I can say for myself in my own experience that it didn't give me anything joyful. I, I really don't. Cynicism, I think, is a sin. It should be listed under the seven deadly sins, cynicism. Well, it's kind of hidden in the word. Um, so something yes. about. Uh, well, and I know we're getting close to time. So we'll include more in the show notes about how to set up a session with you. Uh, Okay. Do you maybe just want to talk a little bit about what it what a session's like, and then we'll do one more um, question from the audience. Okay. Okay. Usually, I ask you know that someone who's new and never talked with me before to do an hour because it gives us room 
time because sometimes people don't really know what it is they're looking for and we kind of round on it also because I'll get so many intuitive hits as you know and I'll start to talk really fast so people probably want to have a pen and paper um but basically what happens I'll say what do you want to look at today that's my opening you know and they'll say I don't know and so as we talk um, you know, I have this thing about this job or this this person or I'm having this weird feeling about my body. And just one true statement from them will open doors and it begins that way. Afterward, it's not always necessary to do an hour. Most people like to, but sometimes they just want to do a check in about something very, very specific. Um, so that's usually what it's like. And I incorporate a lot of different divinatory tools. So I have tarot cards that I sometimes use or crystals or I channel. Most of the stuff is like what people call channeling. I get information straight through. It just comes through me. And I don't know how, I don't know why anymore. I don't channel, I don't, you know, challenge it. Um, but that's usually what it's like. It's a conversation almost exactly like we're having now, except that this is not me opening up to source energy or universe and bringing through information for a specific person mm -hmm. but otherwise it's just this kind of conversation it really is yeah i I've hope had, that was okay yeah def definitely um but i've i've maybe done a couple half hour sessions with you it's usually that my time is just i don't have time and it's one thing um but on right. our hour sessions i'll say oh i don't have a lot to cover and then we're nearing the hour mark and it's still just so much that we're working through <laughs> um and I just, I, it makes me just feel good after we talk. I always feel so, you know, I get that piece of yeah. it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Just learning to trust ourselves. I think when we can return to our, ourself and our inner knowing, we feel at home and yeah. don't have to, you know, work so hard on everything. We can just breathe. Yes. Yes. Hard work is, you know, that's in America, it's very much about work hard, get rich, or, you know, receive the good stuff. And sometimes working hard doesn't make that happen. It keeps it from happening. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, we really want to relax into a beautiful, beautiful life. Um, and I think that, you know, working hard just kind of, we got to know how to balance what means working hard with how do we remain open hearted. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, it's a learned process. It takes time, and it, and we all need a little help with it for sure. Mm -hmm. Somebody to say, maybe maybe you're just pushing yourself too hard. You're not looking at, you know, the the great stuff that's already happened. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I even think about that sometimes when I imagine having a really nice car. I go, well, how different would the experience really be? Because I'm holding a steering wheel. <laughs> I'm driving down the same street. Um, it's really different. Well, it I guess could be really different <laughs> yeah. because of how one feels. Mm -hmm. I mean, to have a new car and everything smells new and, and you know, it has the warranty and and it, it just makes you, I mean, for some people who are drivers and enjoy driving and want, I can understand wanting a new car and having that feeling around it. I totally get it. I mean, it's not me and I don't even drive, but <laughs> I get it. 
I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes for myself, I go, well, I could just kind of get into that feeling anyway. And then I don't have to make an extra $60,000. Like yeah, I get to relax and park my car at the park. Yep. Like the, um, yeah. my, my dad's one that loves driving. So and it's his favorite thing to do. So definitely, you know, there are the people that that's the right thing, but I think it's kind of a question of just, is it what you really want? It's personal taste. Is this really going to make you feel even more open to the universe? Mm -hmm. And for some people, like someone like your dad, that it's like, you know, he wants a car that handles well, which whatever that means, because I don't drive, but I know what people are talking about when they speak about that. So yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Like you, you know, $60,000, I could see putting that somewhere else entirely, but you know, it's, it's, everybody goes differently through this, right? Mm -hmm. What do they say? Whatever floats your boat. I mean, I kind of hate that expression, but it's kind of real. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny <laughs> being a boat owner. It's like, that's a lot of work. Um, we got a, a sailboat <laughs> years ago and it was gifted to us by a friend. And I always joke, there's nothing more expensive than a free boat because we are working on the boat all summer. Um, so yeah, whatever floats your boat. Uh, we need a new expression, I think. Um, yeah, anyway. I really. <laughs> so the last one, um, and this one is more of one that if you can do more kind of an intuitive reading on it, because it wasn't, okay. um, the question wasn't necessarily one that's for that would be for everyone, but I think there's still something that we can probably get from this. Um, and she, she knows that obviously that I'm submitting the question here. So here's Alyssa. Hi, my name is Alyssa. My question is, how can I know where to focus my energy in order to manifest my desire? I've been building a business on the side of my full-time job and I absolutely love it, um, but my time feels stretched very thin. I often am doing so many things and have very little free time, which causes me to feel very overwhelmed and definitely more in a low vibe. So I'm just curious, how can I know where to focus my energy in order to bring my manifestation to fruition? Um, do I need to create more space in my life by leaving my full-time job? Um, any insight would be very much appreciated. Thank you. Okay. Um, my first response is, well, the vibe off of, you know, when she said, I love my job, that's a lot of energy for the job. That's a full-time job. That's taking time away from what she's trying to birth. So Alyssa, I, I think it's, again, you know, it, it would be, I know we can't be specific here and now, but certainly it would be looking at the aspects of why do you love this job and want to change it? Is it because you want more autonomy? Um, because it's a whole new field that calls you more strongly. Um, my feeling is that the take I got on this is that it's I've I'm lucky to have this job I love I shouldn't move I shouldn't I shouldn't dare for anything else um, and I also know that if if that fear whatever fear is there is fear holding you back whatever fear there is then that that's going to keep you from having the time time it's funny how time works when we're enjoying things and feeling free and feeling like I can have you know, uh, a poker in every fire and it's great, um, then usually things go well and there's more time. 
But when we're feeling, it's like we expect, we get what we expect. If I feel like this job is taking up too much time from the thing I'm trying to put out in the world, you're not going to have the time. It's a, it's a delicate balance. Um, and it's an internal thing to look at. But my first feeling was you are really strong, really powerful, and you can do both. This can happen easily. But I think there's this thing out in the world, too, that says you can't have two big things. You can have one big thing. And, you know, look at people who are very successful. They have many aspects. Yes, maybe they'll find a way to put everything under one umbrella. And maybe that won't fit in what you're doing now, or maybe you're just not seeing where it could fit. But I believe you can do this. And and certainly, Kay is an example. I mean, you're doing it. You're living it. So I hope that helps, Alyssa. Wonderful. Well, Laura, that was all the questions that we had um, for today, but are there any just other um, kind of parting insights that you want to leave us with? Oh, my goodness. I, I, there's so many things I could say, but, you know, give yourselves, all of us, more love, uh, more support, more pats on the back. We're, we're very, everyone is so hard on themselves. I mean, myself included. We're just, you know, expect so much of ourselves. And so today, whenever you're listening to this, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Go look in the mirror and say, you're wonderful and mean it. Because I think that, that that makes a lot more happen than even writing stuff down is that that surge of wonderment and and awe and love for ourselves and how we're how we're doing. Thank you again for tuning into the One Sealed Letter podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Laura as much as I did. She shared a little bit in the episode about the sessions that she does. If you're interested in booking a session with her, I'd recommend doing it. She's just wonderful. And no matter what the question is that you're working with, she'll be able to help you talk through it and also give you a much bigger perspective. I mentioned some of the eerie things that she's told me over the years where she'll just get some intuitive hit and tell me about it. And it's pretty much always accurate. I actually can't think of a time when it wasn't accurate. So um, if you are interested, you can contact her through the show notes. She just gave her email and she does have all different types of packages as well. So if you want to just do a one hour session, you can, or if you like working with her, she has um, basically these package deals that you can do where you can order a couple sessions together. Of course, if you had questions on the episode or comments or things that you want to hear more from, please let me know. You can direct message me on Instagram at Katherine Hastings Co. Or you can also send me an email, info at KatherineHastingsCo.com. With that, I will just sign off with one of my favorite sign-offs in a letter, with love.